Hi, so now we come to the sermon, and uh, this is pre-recorded, and in case you didn't catch it uh, earlier, my name's Peter. I'm uh, grateful to be with you today, and thank you for having me as your speaker. Before I start, uh, why don't we just have a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that uh, you have revealed yourself to us, that you are a good and kind God that you have a plan and that you sent your son uh, to die uh, for our sin, for our law-breaking. We thank you that our sins have been paid for, uh, our punishment has been taken, and that we can now uh, approach you and come into relationship with you without guilt or shame. We ask, Father, that um, you will help us to love others around us as uh, as you love us, and help us to uh, be patient, uh, kind, and considerate in in a way which is consistent with how you have dealt with us. We ask, Father, that as we come to look at your word today, that you will um, encourage us in our faith, help us to trust in you, and help us to see a little bit of you uh, through the passages that we're looking at. Uh, we ask, Father, that you'll be with us by your spirit and uh, guide us uh, so that um, we can be your people. We pray all of these things in your son's name. Amen. So as, as per the readings, we're going to be looking uh, initially at Acts 13, verse 13 through to uh, 42. And I won't be exegeting it, but I'll be making reference to the account that uh, that we have there. Um, as as we heard, uh, Paul and his companions are travelling um, around and visiting towns and and speaking, and they come to Pisidian Antioch, which is in modern day Turkey, in the southwest uh, quarter of Turkey, and. Uh, because it's the Sabbath, they go along to the local synagogue and after the law and the prophets um, are read, the leaders of the synagogue invite um, Paul to um, stand and, and give a word of encouragement to the people. Um, and so we can see in verse 16 uh, onwards, he stands up and, and he tells them the history of, um, of God's people, if you like, and and the way he describes it is really a history of God looking after his people, choosing his people, looking after them, bringing them through um, various major events. And another way of putting that is, is to call it salvation history because it's the history of God saving his people. And, um, uh, and I'm just to reference a few of the um, passages, uh, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors and he made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. Uh, with mighty power, he led them out of that country. From um, And so each, at each step, you can see that he's, it's God did this, God did that, then God did this, then God did that. It's not the history of God's people is not a history of self-made men or self-made women. It's a history of a people chosen by God, provided for by God, rescued by God. Um, then um, 
in verse 18 that says, For about 40 years he endured, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. So when God's people get a mention for doing something, it's not always positive. Um, these people weren't chosen because of their superior conduct. They're chosen because God loves them and he chose them. And, and in verse 19, he, being God, overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All of this took around 450 years for the, the story so far. 450 years, uh, and that we're not even finished, obviously. Um, so this isn't uh, a knee-jerk reaction, and this, this isn't a short-term plan. God's plan is a long-term plan, and he's playing a long game. He's not um, chopping and changing and, uh, you know, oh, you know, changing his mind, etc. So uh, we often um, expect things to be resolved for for ourselves in a very short period of time. Uh, and we tend to get quite frustrated when we can't solve problems. Uh, and in, in various situations, we have to wait on God. Um, and uh, we can see here that uh, if we're God's people, we, we do need to work on his time frame and his timeline and not just sort of pretend we're at McDonald's on a six-minute timer and say, God, you've got to fix this by then. It doesn't work that way. Um, continuing on in verse 20, after this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king. And again, when the people get a mention for doing something, it's not always good. Uh, so he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. And after removing Saul, he made David their king. And God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to. Uh, and from this man's descendants, God brought to Israel the Saviour Jesus, as he promised. Uh, before the coming of Jesus, John, that's John the Baptist, preached repentance and baptism to all the people in Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I'll just read one more section before uh, commenting. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognise Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the word of words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed, and when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had travelled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. So now there's uh, there are a couple of mentions in those last um, few paragraphs where there's something positive out of some of God's people. Uh, David is described as a man after God's own heart. John the Baptist uh, preaches repentance and baptism. He preaches the good news uh, of the coming of Christ. And then the people who witness Christ, Christ's resurrection, um, then become good witnesses uh, to the gospel, uh, of the gospel to others. So it is possible for members of God's people to be doing 
functional things and good things under God uh, with his leading and his planning. Um, though, we, though we do fail, um, there are some positive moments when, when we're um, doing what we're meant to be doing really from a creational point of view. So uh, Paul continues on, we tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us. And I guess that's the, the key of it, uh, because as good as David, he wasn't perfect, uh, as good as John the Baptist, and as good as Peter and the other disciples and Paul and Barnabas, as good as all of those people might have been, they're not fulfilling salvation. It's it's the key to the story is clearly God and he has fulfilled it for us um, by raising Jesus uh, in, as, as um, related in 32-33. And uh, then uh, Paul quotes Psalm 2 in verse uh, 33. You are my son. Today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David so it is stated else, as it is stated elsewhere. You... You will not let your Holy One see decay. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead, that's Christ, did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through, through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. And, and that he's referencing verse 41. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. So Paul's giving a warning as well uh, to the people in the synagogue, um, who, by the way, are both um, Israelites and Gentiles who worship God. So it's, it's, it's the full, uh, the full group. And he warns them, um, that if they take a cynical, um, skeptical approach to the gospel, um, then they won't be able to accept it and they will perish. Um, even, even though they've heard the gospel. And, um, that's a warning to us all because, um, unbelief is, is our undoing. So that's a brief snippet of salvation history, but salvation history continues on today. Uh, we're part of salvation history. We are God's people, and we um, uh, our story is being written as well, uh, day by day. And it's a story of God providing for us, just as it was a story back in of God's action. Now, if we cross-reference with Joshua, um, I know that you had uh, Joshua chapter 3 last week and you, you looked at the passage where uh, Joshua was told to take the people across the river into the, uh, Canaan and there were various fears to do with that but God provided and God helped them and Joshua was faithful in a, and obedient in taking the people across. Now, just a short while later in Joshua chapter 5, they've come to the outskirts of Jericho um, and the, the plan is that they'll, they'll need to take Jericho. And that's a bit of a scary thing because Jericho had a mighty wall around it. Uh, so Joshua 
in uh, chapter 5, verse 13. It says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? That's a natural question, isn't it? Um, even today, under the coronavirus, if I was going for a walk uh, near my house for some exercise, and uh, I saw a person with a drawn sword in front of me, I, my initial fear would be, oh, he's going to attack me. And uh, if I had to engage with him, that would be something I, was, I would be seeking to clarify pretty quickly. And so Joshua has done that and seems natural enough. But the, the person gives an unexpected reply. He says, neither, but as the commander of the Lord, of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua falls face down to the ground in reverence and says, what message does my Lord have for his servant? So what we have there is uh, Joshua's gut reaction is to see things from his own point of view. Oh, is this guy going to try and stab me? What's going to happen? Um, you know, and that's what all of us probably would do in that situation. And uh, the uh, the person, whether it's God or an angel, uh, says, no, no, I'm, I'm here to do I'm on God's side. I'm not on your side. I'm not on the side of the city of Jericho. I'm on God's side. And that's a common um, problem that we have in our lives. Um, whenever we are up against something, whenever we have a problem, our gut reaction is to think about it in terms of our own protection, our own needs, our own interests. And what we need to be doing um, apart from trying to avoid being stabbed, what we need to be doing is um, trying to discern what God's will in this situation would be. Now, each of us have different situations. We've got different relationships and different environments, um, places that we are. Um, and within that, there's a whole range of activities each of us could be doing. And one of the problems we have is to try and think, well, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And if we only look at that from our own selfish point of view and think, well, you know, this is going to give me glory, well, um, I'll get the most out of that if I do it, then I won't do that because, you know, that's pretty humdrum. Then we're just thinking about it from our own selfish point of view. But um, we need to not do that. If you can remember the last time I came and spoke um, at your church, I, I looked at the Roman centurion Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And it was clear in those first two or three verses that um, he and his household are described as devout. And uh, the commentaries tell us that for a Jewish writer to describe a Roman and his family as devout and God-fearing, they must have been going along to the synagogue. And, and it says that he prayed regularly and gave to the poor. And... Um, a devout Jew would pray three times a day. And so then goes on to say that in one of, uh, during one of those prayer times, an angel of the Lord comes and speaks to Cornelius and tells him to go and call for Peter to come and explain the gospel. And that is um, uh, a good example of how Cornelius had God's will opened up to him because he was seeking God. He uh, wasn't just chasing his own selfish interests or in assessing each situation from the point of view of his own vested interests. 
um, and it was during one of his prayer times when he was seeking God that the angel came and spoke to him. Likewise, we know that Christ went away by himself often and prayed uh, and spent time with God, even though he, he knew all along what his purpose was and what he had been sent to do, he still went away and spent time in solitude praying with God. And uh, that's a, it's a, a common pattern and, and a useful pattern for us to observe and, and try and put into our own lives. Um, there is the exception where someone like Jonah tries to run away from God purposely because he doesn't want to do what he's been told God wants him to do. Um, but a lot of the time, if we're seeking God, we're more receptive to his directions and we're more likely to hear his guidance than if we're stubborn and just pursuing our own selfish glory. Um, we can apply that to Joshua. Um, Joshua has been obedient in bringing the people across the river, even though a lot of them were too scared uh, to do so. Um, Joshua has then been told earlier in chapter 5 um, that under the covenant of that time, uh, God wanted him to ensure that all of the Israelite men above a certain age were circumcised. And so Joshua sees that that is done. And so in Joshua, we've got someone who is seeking God and seeking to obey God. Uh, and it's in that situation that either God or an angel appears in front of him with a drawn sword and, and talks to him. Uh, so when you're seeking God, you're more likely to hear God's direction. And, um, and so that's a useful uh, tip for us in our daily lives, moving uh, each week to think about what are the different options or what you could be doing with your time this week, each week. And are you spending some time seeking God? And are you trying to understand what his will in your particular situation might be from time to time? You know, and one thing I've noticed is that when we're doing the will of God, it rarely gives glory to us. Uh, it, you know, it's usually a humble thing. It's, it's giving glory to God. And it involves loving other people, not just building our own empires. So, um, so if we look at that um, you know, with the fruits of the Spirit, using God's Word, um, trying to be receptive to the Holy Spirit and, and using the fellowship of fellow believers, uh, then that can help, uh, help us over time to discern God's will in various situations or shake us out of our selfishness so that we know uh, inside that it's not that we should be doing it, it's more likely some other thing. Now, um, when I was a, uh, a young man, um, my wife and I were uh, just attempting to start a family and we had a number of miscarriages and I remember getting a phone call at work from my wife uh, who had gone to the hospital to tell me about the second miscarriage. And um, as I left work and drove to be with her, um, uh, I was weeping and I felt that life was pretty bleak. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, there was a song which I'd heard in a Christian group that I had attended. Um, and it wasn't a song I particularly liked, but 
Um, that was the only thing in my head as I drove along. And through my tears, I sang that song. And uh, the key line of that song is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, your grace is sufficient for me. So, um, and it expressed the feeling that I had that even if we couldn't have kids, God would still have a purpose and a plan for my wife and I. And, uh, and so I didn't need to be completely broken and depressed because if we were doing what God wanted us to do, then that's where we needed to be. And that would be the most satisfying thing we could be doing rather than chasing our own glory or our own plans. Um, so I just um, threw it to God and trusted in him that his grace was sufficient for us. If we couldn't have kids, we couldn't have kids. Now, as it happens, uh, over time, we had three children who are now young adults. So we're very grateful for that. But the point is that um, whether you get something you're hoping for or whether you don't, uh, God has a plan for each of us. And we need to be um, able to look to that plan and look to please God and know that if we are living under his guidance and following his will, that's going to be the happy place for us. And that's, that's where we're going to be fulfilled and satisfied. And that's where we're going to know peace. So uh, it's important that as we try to live and, and decide what God's will might be for us in each situation, that we don't chase our own glory, uh, that we're willing to give up things we've hoped for uh, and trusting God and try to follow what he might have for us, even if it wasn't what we planned. Um, and so um, I would encourage you to apply that in your own life. And maybe there are some things you're hoping for that you might not get. And certainly in this time of um, uh, the coronavirus, um, there's a number of dangers, both to health and also to the economy. Uh, we've just come off the back of a terrible summer with bushfires and a drought that's affecting various parts of Australia. So whether it's the drought, the bushfires or the virus or, or um, downturns in the economy associated with all of those things, you know, we've all got various problems to address. But if we're following God's will, and if we're, then we'll be able to be good witnesses to the people around us. People will see the gospel in us. They will see our lives transformed. And uh, we'll be a blessing to the people around us. Uh, and free from our own bitterness or our own disappointment, freed up from that, so that we can love the people around us, knowing that God loves us. So, um, so that's the, the message for today, that, that um, we need to turn to God and we need to seek his will and be, be willing to give up things that we um, are hoping for, if that's how it is. We might get those things, but it's not to our own glory either. It's, um, and it revolutionises how we think. So like Joshua we have to be prepared to take into account God's will and that there's a God. There's three sides in the equation, the enemy, yourself, and God. And, uh, and, and God's will needs to be sought in, the, in, in each of our situations. 
So uh, let me um, pray before uh, before we end. Um, I pray for each of you in the coming week. Father, we thank you um, for for being holy and for being loving and for being patient. We thank you that salvation history is still going today after some thousands of years. And we ask, Father, that you will keep us uh, safe in you um, in each of our situations. We ask that you will guide each of us and help us to understand what it is that you want each of us to be doing in our particular situations. Help us to be willing to give up our own uh, selfishness or hopes or our own glory and help us to take into account um, what you might have for us and help us to discern what that is even though sometimes it's not initially clear what we should be doing. Um, we ask Father that you will uh, guide us and bless us by your word, by your spirit and by the fellowship of fellow believers and um, we thank you Father for this um, for this Easter, for this time of remembering what your Son has done for us on the cross. And we ask, Father, that you will um, help us to share your love uh, in our daily lives um, as we go. Uh, loving not just as a works thing that we've generated ourselves, but just loving because uh, you have transformed our lives and we know your love and feel secure in your love so that we can love others. We thank you, Father, for um, your Son, for, for your Spirit, for your Word. We ask uh, that you'll bless each of us in this way throughout the coming days. We pray all of these things in your Son's name. Amen.